Yes. Okay, it's not opening song yet. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> you can you can have a seat, folks. We're just just opening. <laughs> okay, all right. What child is this? Number 141 is what we'll be singing first. 141. Okay, so 141 in your hymnal, please, if you turn there with us, and uh, we'll start singing there. And I'll lead you with the songs, the songs I actually have a list of them in front of me, so we'll sing as we go down through. Okay, sing out with, with me. What child is this? What child is this who lay to rest? On Mary's lap is sleeping. O angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ. Shepherds, God and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him down, the babe, the son of Mary. While
Okay, it's time for offering and prayer. For our text of invocation, I'm going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child will be born, to us a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government there will be no end. He will sit on David's throne and rule the kingdom. He will do what is right and just. From the time he takes the throne and forever, the great God of heaven and earth, the Lord Almighty himself, will do this. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be able to be here today for your love and your many blessings this past week. And Lord, we ask for your blessing on this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. The offering today is for our local church budget, and at this time, the deacons will take up the offering.
Father in heaven, again we thank you for the privilege to give of our tithes and offerings. We ask for your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee in Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was uh, pledged by marriage to him and was expecting a child. While they went there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. I will have a song from Adam. Tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. I go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out an angel's chorus. That held our Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lonely manger, or humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed his Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born.
there were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood up among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. I am here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you are to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Next song we'll be singing is 142. 142. Angels we have heard on high. song will be 122, 122 in the hymnal. Hark the herald angels sing.
all three verses. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Earth on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the sky With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Christ by highest heaven adore Christ thy everlasting Lord in the mangers born a king while adorning angels sing peace on earth good will to men read the trembling souls be still Christ on earth disappeared, the shepherds said, we must go and see this baby for ourselves. So they went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Celebrate the child who is the light Now the darkness is over No more wandering in the night Celebrate the child who is the light You know this is no fable God hid in manhood became one We see he's more than 
So we live to God the Son, celebrate the child who is the light. Now the darkness is over, no more wandering in the night. Celebrate the child who is the light. Firstborn of creation, lamb and lion, God and man, the author of salvation. Almighty wrapped in swaddling bands, celebrate the child who is the light. Now the darkness is over, no more wandering in the night. Celebrate the child who is the light. Celebrate the child who is the light. Now the darkness is over. No more wandering in the night. Celebrate the child who is the light. Celebrate the child who is the light. Now the darkness is over. No more wandering in the night. Celebrate the child who is the light. Celebrate the child who is the light. Now the darkness is over. No more wandering in the night. Celebrate the child who is the light. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he was called together all the the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of the people of Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On the coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Okay, our next song is uh, Silent Night, and that is 143 in the hymnal. 143. <clears throat>
Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild sleep in heavenly peace sleep in heavenly peace silent night holy isn't the way I planned it, God. Not at all. My child being born in a stable, this isn't the way I thought it would be. A cave with sheep and donkeys and hay and straw. My wife giving birth with only the stars to hear her pain. This isn't what I imagined at all. No. I imagined family. I imagined grandmothers. I imagined neighbors clustered outside the door and friends staying at my side. I imagine the house erupting with the first cries of the infant, slaps on the back, loud laughter, 
jubilation. That's how I thought it would be. But now, now look, Nazareth is a five days journey away. And here we are in a, in a sheep pasture. Who will celebrate with us? The sheep, the shepherds, the star? This doesn't seem right. What kind of a husband am I? I provide no midwife to aid my wife, no bed to rest her back. Her pillow is a blanket from the donkey. My house for her is a shed of hay and straw. The smell is bad. The animals are bad. Why, I even smell like a sheep. Did I miss something? Did I, God? Well, when you said the angels and spoke of a son being born, this isn't what I pictured. I envisioned Jerusalem, the temple, the priests, the people gathered to watch, a pageant perhaps, a parade, a banquet at least. I mean, this is the Messiah. Or, if not in Jerusalem, how about Nazareth, Lord? Wouldn't Nazareth have been better? At least I have my house and my business. Out here, what do I have? A weary mule, a stack of firewood, a pot of warm water. This is not the way I wanted it to be. This is not the way I wanted my son to be born. Oh my, I did it again. I did it again, Father. I didn't want to do that. It's just that I forgot. He's not my son, God. He's yours. The child is yours. The plan is yours. The idea is yours. And forgive me for asking, but is this how God really was supposed to enter the world? The coming of the angel I accepted. The question of people about the pregnancy, I could tolerate that. The trip to Bethlehem, okay, fine. But why a stable God? Any minute now, Mary will give birth, not to a child, but to the Messiah. Not an infant, but to God. That's what the angel said. That's what Mary believes. And God, my God, that's what I want to believe. But surely you can understand, it's not easy. It's so bizarre. I'm unaccustomed to such strangeness, God. I'm a carpenter. I make things fit. I square off the edges. I follow the plumb line. I measure twice before I cut once. Surprises there are not a friend of the builder. I like to see the plan before I start. But this time, God, I'm not the, the builder, am I? This time, I'm a tool, a hammer in your grip, a nail between your fingers, a chisel in your hands. The project is yours, not mine. I guess it's foolish of me to question you, God. Please forgive my struggling. Trust doesn't come easy to me, God, and you never said it would be easy, did you? One final thing, Father, the angel you sent, any chance you could send another? If not an angel, maybe a person. I don't know anyone around here, and some company would be nice. Maybe the innkeeper, a traveler, even a shepherd would do. You know, I wonder, maybe Joseph prayed this prayer, maybe he didn't, but we probably have. We've stood where Joseph stood, caught between what God says and what makes sense. We've stared into a sky blackened with doubt, and we've asked what Joseph asked. Why, God? We've asked if we were still on the right road. We've asked if we're supposed to turn left when we turned right. And we've asked if there is a plan behind this scheme. Things haven't turned out like we thought they would. Each of us knows what it's like to search for the light, not outside a stable, but perhaps outside an emergency room, on the gravel of a roadside, on the manicured grass of a cemetery. We've asked our questions. We've questioned God's plan. And we've wondered, why, God? 
why are you doing this? No, the Bethlehem sky is not the first to hear the pleadings of an honest heart, nor the last. But perhaps God didn't answer every question for Joseph like he wanted, but he answered the most important one. Are you still here, God? And through the first cries of the God child, the answer came, Oh, yes, Joseph, I'm with you. There are many questions we won't be able to answer either. Many time we'll muse, I wonder, God. But in our wonderings, there is one question we never need to ask. Does God care? Do we matter to God? Does he still love his children? Through the small face of the stable-born baby, he says, yes. Yes, our sins can be forgiven. Yes, our name can be written in heaven. Yes, death has been defeated because God has entered the world. Emmanuel, God is with us. Okay, we'll sing um, one verse of Joy to the World. Number 125, 125. try to sing Emmanuel, at least one verse. My voice is almost gone, but Kathy and I, pray for me as we try to go through this. All right. I hadn't planned for my voice to be like this this weekend. I planned for a wonderful voice, but it's gone. Okay. 115. 115, yeah. was the loneliest man in town. I'll 
on that day when Gene Grace opened his door. Now, you may have seen something in the papers about the incident at the time it happened, although neither his name nor hers were publicized, nor was the full story as I tell it here. Pete Shop had come down to him from his grandfather. The little Christmas front window was strewn with a disarray of old-fashioned things, bracelets and lockets worn in days below, before the Civil War, gold rings and silver boxes, images of jade and ivory and porcelain figurines. On this winter's afternoon, a child was standing there, her forehead pressed against the glass, earnest and enormous eyes studying each discarded treasure as if she were looking for something quite special. Finally, she straightened up, and with a satisfied air, she entered the store. The shadowy interior of Peter Richards' establishment was even more cluttered than his show window. Shelves were stacked with jewel caskets, dueling pistols, clocks, lamps, and the floor was heaped with andirons and mandolins and things hard to find a name for. Behind the counter stood Pete himself, a man not more than 30, but hair already turning gray. There was a bleak air about him as he looked at the small customer who flattened her ungloved hands on the counter. Mr., she began, would you let me please look at that string of blue beads in the window? Pete parted the draperies and lifted out the necklace. The turquoise stones gleamed brightly against the pallor of his palm as he stood, as he spread the ornament before her. Oh, they're just perfect, said the child to herself. Would, would you wrap them up pretty for me, please? Pete studied her with a stony air. Are you buying these for yourself or someone else? Oh, they're for my big sister. She takes care of me. You see, this will be our first Christmas since Mother died, and I've been searching for the most wonderful Christmas present for my sister. Well, how much money do you have? He said warily. She had been busy untying the knots in a handkerchief that she had placed on the counter, and now she poured out a handful of pennies on the counter. I emptied my bank, she explained simply. Pete Richard looked at her thoughtfully, and then he grew. Carefully, he drew back the necklace. The price tag was visible only to him, not to her. How could he tell her? The trusting look of her blue eyes smote him like the pain of an old wound. Oh, just a minute, he said. He turned back toward the back part of the store. Over his shoulder, he called, What's your name? He was very busy about something. Jean Grace. When Pete returned to where Jean Grace waited, a package lay in his hand, wrapped in scarlet paper and tied with a bow of green ribbon. There you are, he said shortly. Don't lose it on the way home. She smiled over her shoulder as she ran out the door. And through the window, he watched her go while desolation flooded his thoughts. There was something about Jean Grace and her string of beads that had stirred him to the depths of a grief that would not lay buried. The child's hair was wheat yellow, her eyes sea blue, and once upon a time, not long before, Pete had been in love with a girl with hair of that same yellow 
and with large eyes just as blue, and the turquoise necklace was to have been hers. But then came a rainy night, a truck skidding on a slippery road, and a life crushed out of his dream. And since then, Pete Richards had lived too much with grief in solitude. He was politely attentive to his customers, but after business hours, his world became totally empty. He was trying to forget in a self-pitying haze that deepened day by day. And now the blue eyes of Jean Grace jolted him into an acute remembrance of what he had lost. The pain of it, him, pain of it made him recoil from the exuberance of the holiday shoppers. During the next 10 days, trade was pretty brisk. Chattering women swarming in, fingering trinkets, trying to fingering the trinkets, trying to bargain. When the last customer had gone late on Christmas Eve, he sighed with relief. It was over for another year. But for Pete Richards, the night was not quite over. The door opened and a young woman hurried in. With a sudden start, he realized that she looked familiar. And yet he could not remember when or where he had ever seen her before. Her eye was, her hair was golden yellow and her large eyes were blue. Without speaking, she drew from her purse a package, loosely unwrapped with its red paper and its bow of green. Presently, the string of blue beads lay gleaming on the counter before him. Did this come from your shop, she asked. Pete raised his eyes to hers and answered softly. Yes, it did. Are those stones real? Well, yes, they're not the finest quality, but they are real. Well, can you remember who it was that you sold them to? A small girl. Her name was Jean. She brought them for, bought them for her older sister's Christmas present. Well, how much are they worth? The price, he said, he told her solemnly, is always a confidential matter between the seller and the customer. But Jean had never had more than a few pennies of spending money. How could she ever pay for them? Pete was folding the red paper into its creases, rewrapping the little package just as neatly before as before. She paid the biggest price anyone could ever pay, he said. She gave all she had. There was a silence that filled the little shop, and in some faraway steeple a bell began to ring. The sound of distant chiming, the little package lying on the counter, the question in the eyes of the girl, and the strange feeling of renewal, struggling, unreasonable in the heart of a man. All had come to be because of the life of a child. But why did you do it? He held out the gift in his hand. It's already Christmas morning, he said, and it's my misfortune that I have no one to give anything to. Will you let me see you home and wish you a Merry Christmas at your door? And so, to the sound of many bells in the midst of many happy people, Pete Richards and a girl whose name he had yet to learn walked out into the beginning of the great day that brings hope into the world for all of us.
could I rent this little house in the back for my family? Joseph inquired at the door. We just moved from Bethlehem to from Nazareth. And how do you plan to pay for it? My husband Jacob retorted. He didn't trust outsiders, you know. Mercy. If we had known then who they were, we would have given it to them. But no one knew. Not then. Joseph held out his hands, strong, big hands, callous from hard labor. I'd work for you, help with the livestock, harvest in the summer, whatever you need, he said, his eyes pleading. I, we just had a little boy. Oh, was that your baby born in the stable behind the inn, said Jacob? You know about that? Joseph was amazed, but continued, when I can get some carpenter jobs, I'll pay you cash money. I could see my Jacob weakening. He looked at me, and I smiled. Yeah! You can have it, he said gruffly, but I'll expect to see you first thing in the morning. We've got wood up in the hills we need to cut down. They moved in that afternoon. Mary and I became best friends. She reminded me of my own daughter. Two years later, about midnight, a caravan lumbered into Bethlehem and halted right in front of our house. The camels were kneeling. Riders were climbing down from their mounts. Easterners they were, you know, and they were rich. There were three of them. All of them rich ones. I mean, you could tell they were rich. You you didn't even count the servants. I told I didn't even try. They were looking beyond us to that little house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were living. It was bathed in a gentle, ethereal light. I looked up then, and I saw the star. I guess that's what it was, shedding the clear light on that little house. The rich men, magi I think they call them, didn't seem to be afraid. They moved toward the little house with their retinue of servants behind. Through the open door, we could see them kneeling on the dirt floor before the sleeping Jesus. We saw the child star in the east. We knew that it was meant to be a great king was being born among the Jews. Any greater than any on earth, Belteshazzar was saying, we came to do homage to the king. I could see tears flowing down Mary's cheeks. The men continued. We went to Jerusalem, but they knew of no baby king. Jesus? A king? How could that be? This family is so poor. Joseph is just a farmer carpenter. Mary is a peasant girl. We had an audience with the King Herod, he went on. His scholars said the Messiah king was to be born here in Bethlehem of Judah. King Herod seemed troubled. He paused and murmured something to the others in their strange eastern tongue. You could tell they didn't trust Herod. The Magi mentioned by, to the servants that the gifts were to be brought. The first fumbled with the latches on a stronghold, then pushed up the lid. Cold. Under the light from the flickering lamp, coins and ingots sprinkled. For the king, he said simply, and then prostrated himself before the toddler. Little Jesus, beginning to wake up now, just sat there and watched intently. The second visitor opened up his chest. Ah, the fragrance of exotic spices flooded the room. Jesus sniffed and peered into the box, and then the second visitor prostrated himself before the child. Then Balthazar brought the final gift, containing a fragile alabaster flask. He pulled the stopper, and a new smell struck us, heavy and rich, the smell of death. Myrrh, used to anoint the bodies of the dead. Now that was a strange gift for the toddler. I thought, even a royal one. He replaced the stopper, and then he too knelt with his forehead on the ground before the child. 
Finally, the three excused themselves and sort of backed out of the tiny room. Joseph reached out to Mary, who took Jesus in her arms, and they sat there, holding each other, trying to understand. Now Balthazar spoke to Jacob. Could we encamp in your pasture tonight? Jacob nodded. The man signaled, and the servants began unpacking the tents. By now, half the town was staying on the road in front of the house, watching. Faces lit by sputtering torches. Servants trekked back and forth from the donkeys and camels to the three great pavilions they had erected, carrying all kinds of things. Finally, people drifted off to their homes, but I must confess, I didn't sleep much. Next morning, the servants were up early and reloading the animals and finally striking the grand tents. The Magi had been over to Joseph and Mary's house several times to see the child, and then they were gone, camel bells tinkling in the distance. The next night, however, we were awakened by someone beating on our door. It was Joseph. Outside, I could see Mary with little Jesus. Joseph was as white as a sheet. Come in, man, said Jacob. You look like you've seen a ghost. An angel, Joseph replied. An angel appeared to me in a dream, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Mary was shaking so much I went over and held her. Jacob, Joseph asked, may I buy one of your donkeys for the journey? Oh, of course. Joseph removed a single gold coin from the folds of his robe. That ought to cover it, he said, placing it firmly in Jacob's palm. My husband's eyes lit up. His fingers closed over it, and he was about to tuck it away when he stopped and then handed the coin back to Joseph. No, he said, I want you to keep the donkey and wish you Godspeed. I was so proud of Jacob in that moment. It's the least we could do, he said, for you and the Christ child. I bustled about, hard in my throat, putting together some food for the family, while Jacob and Joseph tied the heavy treasure boxes on Joseph's donkey. (coughs) Then Joseph helped Mary and the child up onto the other donkey, our donkey, and embraced Jacob. I don't know how we can thank you for what you have done for us these past couple of years. He was saying, you have made us feel at home. And now, and now we must leave you in the night. Thank you. Then he whispered, you won't tell anyone where we've gone, will you? Well, where are you going? Back to Nazareth. Oh, it's best you don't know, Joseph said. But we'll see you again. I'm sure we'll see you again. And with that, he led the animals to the road south toward Egypt. I waved and little Jesus waved back. Jacob, do you think they'll be all right by themselves with all that treasure, I asked? He looked at me with a tenderness and wonder I only saw in him now and again. The God who summoned the Magi and sent the angels to the shepherds is right there with them. They're not alone, Rebecca. They'll never be alone. In closing, uh, 120 in your hymnal, 120, would you stand with me as we sing this? There's a song in the air. Hmm? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, There's another song, so we won't close yet, but we'll sing this one. Okay, all right. You can be seated. I'll just sing for you. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we are singing. I'm singing anyway. There's a song in the air. Sing out, please, with me. 
There's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky, there's a mother's deep prayer, and a baby low cry. And the star rains its fire while the beauty falls on for the manger of Bethlehem, a cradle of king. Verse 4. We rejoice in the light and we echo the song that comes down through the night. From the heavenly throne Are we wait to the lowly evangelist thing And we greet in His great Savior and King Okay, John. It was a chilly night in the little Judean town of Bethlehem, the kind of night you want to escape the cold, damp air and find warmth and security inside a cozy inn. And the people crowded tightly into the inn at the end of the street. They left their donkeys and camels in the back stable and closed the door against the night air. Inside, the inn buzzed with laughter and chatter. Distant relatives who had not seen each other in years renewed family ties over bowls of hot soup. They broke bread together, swapping stories of their journeys. A teenage boy strummed his lyre in the corner, and several fathers clapped their hands in time for the music. In the rush to serve tables, the innkeeper, balancing a tray of breads and meats, answered a knock at the door. A man calling himself Joseph stood outside, pulling his homespun cloak tightly around his neck. It was late and it was cold. And he and his young wife needed a room. A glance told the innkeeper the woman was heavy with child. He could barely hear himself talk with so much noise behind him. But he managed to explain that there was no room, only an empty stall or two in the stable out back. Shrugging his shoulders, the innkeeper quickly apologized and slammed the door. Outside, Joseph stood for a moment, listening to the laughter inside. Back in the stillness of the night, Mary waited. The young couple made their way to the stable. And while music and laughter and feasting went on and on, just yards away behind the walls of the inn, the Son of God quietly entered history. Sometimes the best moments of the Christmas season do not happen during the crowded parties or the rush of holiday preparations. They don't occur in the music and laughter, the camaraderie and the feasting. When I think of special Christmas memories, I think of those quiet moments when God unexpectedly surprised me with himself, with an overwhelming sense of his nearness and love. In the midst of so much activity, so much going on, so many days on the calendar filled with appointments or parties, God seeks out the quiet heart and speaks to us in a still, small voice. Think of the stable in Bethlehem. Somehow it stands serene. What a contrast to the celebrating going on in that inn. Who would have supposed? Who would have suspected? If only someone had taken the time to peer out a back window toward the stable. If someone had only dropped what he was doing to leave the party and go check on his donkey. 
If someone had only slipped away from the festivities for a moment to seek a quiet moment outside, just think of what they might have witnessed. Perhaps they would have seen the angels, maybe the shepherds, and yes, even the Son of God. Take time this Christmas to step outside the clamor and excitement, visit the stable, and ask God to speak to you in the quiet and serenity and stillness. He will. Let's bow our heads and close with prayer. Our kind Heavenly Father, we thank you for drawing each of us here. We think about your first advent and we look forward to your second advent. And during this time when we especially think about you, come into each of our hearts. Amen.